You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. What up? I say that. I'm coming from a place of love, gentlemen. I love the fall where I can put my sweatshirts back on, my little thick shirts. I look I look 20 pounds skinnier in the fall, I think. Let's let's see your uh feet though. I guarantee you there's still flip-flops on. No, I uh I have on my uh my uh, stretchy socks that um don't allow me to wear flip-flops. Oh wow. He'd always wear flip-flops in the studio. He'd come in the winter and he'd he'd be wearing flip-flops. <laughs> you should see these mm-hmm. new cool ones I just got. I, I love Olokai flip-flops, and they I got these new white ones with these the blue. Uh they're they're freaking sweet, man. Everybody, everybody looks they sound at them. Amazing. Like, You're still wearing flip-flops, bro. It's like cold out. Do you get hey, the- Andy? I picked this this real estate meme because I think. This is probably one of your favorite movies, the, the Austin Powers. What do you think of this uh, this meme? I noticed the for sale by owner sign in your yard, baby. <laughs> I do like to live dangerously. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, I just I ran into a couple of that that whole uh, for sale by owner uh, thing, and I'll tell you what. I mean, people think they're going to sell their house on their own. I mean, every buyer comes in hope there's not a realtor so they get the discount of the realtor. It's not about the seller saving money. It's very rare. I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've dealt with that and uh, said, hey, go for it. You know, and I said, what they'll do is they'll want to take the realtor commission out of it. Yeah, and that's exactly what happens. So, yeah, it, it's true. You know, the uh, I was up at uh, in Alex this last summer and a guy whipped a for sale by owner sign in his yard. And I, I, you know, uh, as I was going through the process, he did all the talking. He didn't let me talk at all as a buyer. And um, I called the sign and I was like, hey, so you have your place up for sale. As I was ready to say, by the way, I'm a, I'm a real estate agent. He's like, well, why don't you come on in? Uh, you know, when do you want to come over? And, uh, you know, immediately doesn't ask me if I'm an axe murderer, doesn't ask me if I'm qualified, doesn't ask me if I'm a nosy name, just come on over. So he's, he's inviting somebody from the general public into his house without any screening, which blew my mind. I could have been cased in this place to rob him. He would have had no clue, you know, especially when it was like a $950,000 house. And, but which, yeah, it was a little overpriced, but um, the, uh, but I just couldn't believe it. And then the zero follow-up, zero, re- he wasn't asking me qualifying questions when I was going through the house. I mean, there was, I mean, you could just tell it was a for sale by owner, like, do you want to buy my go-kart or not? Okay, bye. I mean, that that's the extent of the sale versus the, I would have had that guy in a drip campaign. I would have been calling him back with any price reductions. I would have been pointing out the features of the house. I would have known what he was qualified for. I would have known how fast a guy could have closed. Um, you know what I mean? So you're walking through that house and you're walking him through the steps of a for sale by owner. But the idea there is that when you have somebody helping you, you know, you should be qualifying the person before you ever let them in your house. Number one, for safety, for security, and and just for sheer not wasting your time, right? Then on top of all of that, you know, when they get to the house, you need to point out the features of the home 
that that are there so that they because they're overwhelmed they're like oh my gosh look at how big the trees are they're not noticing that all the brand new cedar siding you just put on the outside or the fact that you just put in brand new anderson 400 series windows um they're busy looking through the window at the lake right so um those are the things that you you need to as, as they're exciting pepper in just a little bit of spice on there to help them you know stay excited and keep that momentum to get an offer I also think uh, emotionally, it's really hard to negotiate your own property. I mean, I have I have that problem. I have other people negotiate my property when we're when we're going through um, any sort of negotiations because I just think it's a it's an awkward position to be in, and uh, I don't I just I don't negotiate very well with my own stuff. Um, I'm, I'm really good with clients stuff, but uh, it's it's just a it's a tough position. I found that many times people have a hard time negotiating, and I've I've bought and uh, or purchased other realtors' homes, and it's a whole different experience with them when it when it's their own place. For sure. Is there any success for sale by owner stories you have, or no? You think it's There's just always, bad ninety nine percent of the time? It can work. I mean, yeah, it can it, work. What is it, Chris? I think three percent or four percent of the the time it works. Yeah, it's it's very it's low. low. It's rare, and sometimes, I mean, it, it's just a it's a hard thing when you're not when you don't understand the full market. I think it's a little easier now now that there's Zillow and all that kind of stuff. Um, before it was is really tough, but or if you have a real high demand property in a high demand area, but I would right. venture to guess that um, you still because you want to. The, the whole trick is you want to get all the people, not a couple people that just saw your sign. There you go. You know, yeah, so. That's so, so this perfect example, Chris. So this individual um, had it for sale for over a month on the hottest lake in one of the hottest recreational areas in the state of Minnesota and couldn't get it sold. And it wasn't because of lack of effort. It was straight up because you just said they weren't getting exposure to the, the entire um, potential of people that might want to buy that house. So now they go and they list that house with a real estate agent and it's sold in one day. They spent the time to market the property, did aerial photos, um, pointed out the highlights, all the things that they were busy, you know, not paying attention because maybe they were nervous meeting with people, who knows? Um, and that got, it, it literally, it, it was sold. They also listed it for 100,000 less than what he was asking for it, which helps a lot because he was just unrealistic, but then it went over asking price. So there's kind of a weird psychology I, I see happening in the market anyway, is where if you list at what it's really worth, people are kicking the tire on it. And they're not necessarily writing their offers right away. I'm seeing, though, if you price it just a little bit under market, people fight over it and you end up getting more than what you wanted anyway. So you're better off the strategy I've seen working in today's market is to price it fair. So let's say your house is worth $420, um, listed at $399, you get multiple offers, you get $430. That's what I've been seeing. Now, if you list it at 430, um, you're going to have people looking at it, nobody writing an offer, and eventually you're going to drop it down to 410, and then they're going to ask for closing costs, so you'd be closer to 400. That's what I've been, I don't know about South Metro, but that's what I've been seeing happening very, very continuously here in the North Metro. Yeah. We had some stuff on the east side, and we lost out on two offers at 40 and 55,000 above full price, mm -hmm. which isn't happening a lot <laughs> so uh, right. anymore. Yeah. Well, there you go. What's what's next, uh, Italy boy? We're going to get into some house flipping. First, here's this video.
Uh, oh my God. I got a great story on that. I bought, actually, I bought a townhouse. My first place was a townhouse. I spent $2,200 and assumed the mortgage. And that was like unbelievable. So anyways, I turned that into my next house. And it was a house, I mean, a decent house, but it needed some updating. And I had a master bath, which was amazing. And But there was mushroom tiles in the bath, in the shower. And I'm like, well, I'm replacing that. So the first day I, I stepped up just like that guy did with his hammer. And I put a hole that took me three years to replace that tile to get a new... Was I on mute the whole time? No, no I just replayed it. The make a oh. picture you doing that. Oh, okay. God, that, uh, that that did have Rooney written all over it, and I did. I think I saw your initials on the hammer. Yeah. I love that's the demo. I'm really good at the demo part, but I like just making like the holes, and then everyone coming in and fixing them, you know, and, and finishing off the demo. So I'll make that first hole. But I I don't know about you, Andy, but I have a real I think I, I know what I want and I can kind of feel it, but I have to kind of see it. And so for me, like, I I know that wall needs to be open, but gosh, I need to see it right away. And so I start ripping down that sheetrock so I can get that feel. And then if I don't get the feel, then I'd re-sheetrock it. Makes sense. I, I've been, um, when I get into a, a project like that too, sometimes I'm, uh, I can draw things out on paper that make a lot of sense to me. And then when, you know, and I'm overly confident sometimes when I do that stuff. And then when it comes to the way it looks, when it's done, it's close, but it's it's still not quite my vision. So when I'm really trying to dial something in, I'm very much like you, Chris, where I'd prefer to have the items removed and then in my head be, you know, where I'm, I'm actually placing those items back into that room in a certain order, um, you know, but I do need help with colors. I. I'm not a big, um, I like, I'm your typical guy. I like guy colors, you know, the darker colors, the masculine colors, um, you know, the, and so I, a lot of times I've needed help with like, like some of these models that these builders are putting up for us. Um, they'll say, Hey, go ahead and pick all the selections. I'm like, I don't know if you want me to, you know what I mean? Even though I just, I, cause I just say, do what you did on the last model. Cause I don't really think about that stuff. I just sell whatever you build. Right. So it's like, to me, it's interesting how trends keep changing, and I don't understand why, but I just go, oh, that's nice. <laughs> okay, there's there's no way that you just say, go ahead and put it in and let, let it do it. I, I guarantee you, you're part of that process big time to get that house, the right house, to the right, um, you know, getting it out to the people because you, you're sitting them. You know what the heck sells. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but uh, I was going to say um, flippers. I think, you know, we're asking for advice here for the flippers mm -hmm. is that I think you, rather than just not quite doing all of it, I say do a little more of it. And from, from a flipping standpoint, because people are going to be a little nervous about a flip and what's behind the walls and stuff. And if you take that extra step and go a little further or get that better painter, you know, that, that sprays rather than brushes on uh, enamel paint, I think it just, it just makes it a huge difference on there. And it, like what Andy was saying, then you price it right. And then you'll get your money out of it because not everyone is doing that. And I think the flippers that get in trouble or it sits for a while is that they just kind of half ass it and just kind of do some of the stuff. But then if it's kind of like the painting's bad, then you start looking at the windows. 
if the painting's good, you say, I can always replace those windows. So I think you just got to be real careful. But I would go I would go a step further rather than looking at, say, hey, I'm going to make 35000 You know, think about it. Hey, I'm only going to make thirty, but that extra 5000 was fantastic, and you'll end up making forty-five. I was going to say, I've uh, the houses I've looked at in the past where I, I've, uh, you know, experienced the best quality on a flip is when it's a contractor that does all the work themselves and they take their time and they're using this house as a project for themselves and they're doing all the renovations, they're doing all the trim, they're making sure all the tiles centered correctly on the on the hood and, you know, the seams are just right. And, you know, it's almost like they're thinking it through versus what I call the desk flipper, where they sit at a desk and order everything over the phone, and then they don't really give a, a you-know-what about the house because it's just a, a, a numbers game, and hopefully they have enough profit at the end to make it worth their flip, you know, versus somebody that takes a little bit more pride in the craftsmanship or their trade. Um, so it's always interesting to ask before you write that offer who and how it was done, but a lot of times they don't want to tell you for whatever reason, but you know, also uh, good advice for a flipper is to find a market that's actually that's moving pretty good or it's trending into moving pretty good and then find that house that maybe is in that neighborhood. So let's just say you've got a neighborhood and the homes are anywhere from six to eight hundred and fifty thousand. Buying a six hundred thousand dollar home, as long as it has the capability to be a nine hundred thousand is a good thing because you're going to be able to push that neighborhood with a house that's completely redone. And so you start finding. Um, neighborhoods a uh, good example is that you go into a neighborhood that people are buying houses that are are good but they haven't been updated and so maybe they're at six hundred thousand, and you buy one at six hundred thousand, but you put the stuff in that it, it needs to be able to do i know these ones didn't sell but this one's actually fixed up and you'll probably get a little more it what it does is it tells people and what you sell to them is that hey if you moved into one of these sixes you would have to put in this much money to be able to make that thing happen. So that's another um, good way of looking at flips because now, I mean, most people's flips are thinking, hey, I'll buy something for 200 and I'll sell it for 300 And you just can't get those listings anymore. True. Just saying, I've done a lot of flips. Spot right now is the, the cash offer, guys. So if you want to get into the flipping game and say, oh, I'll make you a cash offer, and the problem with that in today's market, Chris, is when that was new and there was only one or two guys in town that were doing it, um, they're, they're, you could buy houses right. Right now you're having um, some of these, you know, like we talked about last week, that video we saw about Zillow, where Zillow is coming in and making offers that are a little higher to, to ace you out. And they're literally controlling the marketplace. Not only do they, you know, control what people view, they control the numbers that people see. And then when they go to sell the houses that they've bought, they can also say this house appreciated at the rate that they want to show. Now you can you can argue with me all you want. I, I just I I can't believe it's a complete monopoly of the consumer's opinion in some cases where people look at the value of their house online, they make their buying decision online, they go out and they verify in person, and then they whatever that computer or that uh, app tells them is the value is what they think they really should offer. And it blows my mind that people are that narrow minded to trust an app which is like trusting somebody giving you a whisper on the street corner. I mean, who the hell do you know behind that app? You don't know who the people are. You don't know where they're getting their information. You're not verifying that. You're just taking it for granted that they did their research and that they actually know what the hell they're talking about. You know what I mean? I just, I think it's crazy to me, but. Well, I think in general, the world is much more skeptical nowadays. 
you know, well, from anybody you know, that's questioning everything. I, I guess like my, my son jokingly said this the other day to me, he goes, dad, he goes, you sound like the doctors at the clinics when people come in and say, well, you know, on WebMD, WebMD says that I have these three diseases and the doctors roll their eyes because they're like, oh my God, talk about a rabbit hole of misinformation and misguidance. And if you have sniffles, you could have nose cancer. If you have, uh, and you're like, what? And then they believe it because it's in it. And I don't understand that about people. I, I really don't. I think that if you're truly, um, you know, going to spend the time to research and buy something, you, you need to spend the time to hire somebody that knows what the hell they're doing. It's it's worth it every time. They guide you correctly. And, and if you, hey, I'll tell you what, if you hire somebody that literally doesn't know uh, what they're talking about, fire them. Don't feel the, the obligation to stick with a real estate agent who doesn't know what the hell they're doing. I go, ask them how many sales they've done. Ask them how many houses they've bought or sold in that area. How many houses have they sold so far this year? You know, uh, how many houses have they sold above asking price? You know, those are the tough questions that nobody's willing to ask right now that I think you need to start asking because otherwise you're going to fall into this abyss of being controlled by corporate America. They're going to control the value you see, what they pay for your house, what they sell your house for. And they're not making, you're not making the money they are. There was, a, there, there was a meme about how when we were kids, we were told not to go in a stranger's car, not to meet anyone from online. And it's like totally flipped. Now you got the Ubers, now you got the dating apps, and now you get everything from online. You said never believe anything online. You, yeah, yeah. you jump into a stranger's car and go for a ride. Uh, what is it? You invite strangers into your house to live and stay for a while. You, you know, I mean, come on, guys. It's crazy to me. Okay. Hey, our next thing, I found this cool uh, little dilemma here. I want to get your guys' answer. It's about three different offers. All yep. other aspects of the deal are the same. So offer A, $550,000 conventional wave inspection. Offer B, $535,000 cash with inspection. And offer C, $565,000 FHA with inspection. What do you guys choose? C is out of the window immediately. Why? Because you can't do FHA that high, I don't think, depending on the area. I think, what's FHA limit? I think it's like 425 or something like that. Yeah, Chris, it depends right? what area you're in. So this yeah, question so might FHA, come from, let's just say that's not the case, Andy, that, it, that you can do FHA at that level. Well, oh, okay. Sorry. I was just trying to be, I mean, if I was really looking at this as an offer, and the only reason why somebody would go FHA and put that much money down is because their credit sucks. So that, that you know, FHA does have some cool tools for that. Um, the cash offer is always exciting, but they have an inspection. So they're going to come back and say, oh, we're cash and we expect, we expect, we expect. And versus the 550, what I'd look at is how much on that 550 are they putting down? Is it 5% conventional or 20% plus conventional? If it's 20% plus conventional, what's nice is that they're going to waive an inspection or excuse me, they're going to waive usually the, the appraisal in most cases when it's over 20% conventional in today's market to save money and the market's going up like crazy. So they don't, they don't even do it. So that eliminates one of the hurdles organically by having a bigger deposit. Well, I think there's another piece, just like uh, Andy on the FHA limit, like you said, that's one piece. I, if this is in California, say, you know, their limit yeah. might be up there. But the other thing we don't know is what the list price was. Um, so that might take that into advantage because like Andy said, you know, with FHA, we could worry about an inspection or not an inspection, but an appraisal. And with that appraisal, there's a, an out clause in the, in the FHA that states that if it doesn't appraise for what they paid for it, they don't have to purchase it. 
they, they that, literally word it as an escape an escape clause. Exactly. Yep. And so, okay. So to me, I'm kind of, uh, I'm, I don't have a problem with inspections. I just don't because um, it, it just helps you probably later on from a seller perspective. If uh, someone did an inspection and then you don't, uh, and all of a sudden they come back a year and a half later and say, Hey, here's what we found wrong. Well, didn't you do an inspection? So in some ways that can cover you, but it doesn't get you right away, right to the closing table, which, uh, you know, a no inspection would that gets this old sign on the sign. But I think I think in this scenario, um, I would need to know what the list price was. But I don't know as as long as I was okay with that appraisal part of it. I think I might be okay with uh, C to get fifteen thousand more. I might be, um, and then I just got to push the appraisal and stuff like that. But there's so much more, and I think that's what. Um, when you when you guys are talking about online and, and Andy was talking about WebMD and these apps, there's so much more to this than just, hey, this is the one you should take. Because if you look into it, you know, you could you could dive into it. What is that? How long has that person been at their job? That conventional guy. He's only been at his job, you know, and he's switched jobs three times in, the, in three years. Uh, but he's been in that same industry. He's, it works. But what if he loses his job? You know, what if the FHA person's been doing something for 20 years and and they're golden? I, I don't know. There's just there's just more to it than Yeah, but FHA if you think about FHA, FHA right on the beginning says we're insuring this loan with the federal government with only three and a half percent, at least current market says three and a half percent down. Um, so if you really do the math on that, there's a uh, there there's a lot of red flags there that make me like what you said. Could be true, but why would someone in today's market, you know, I don't know. I, I just, such a minimal amount down and you'd pay a higher interest rate. Um, if you had good credit, you'd go conventional because they have some conventional 5% down products right now that are like, um, I just I just saw one the other day that was, if you put 10.5% down on a conventional loan, they'll waive your um, your mortgage insurance on a conventional loan now on some of them. So, I mean, oh my gosh, that, that would save you hundreds of dollars a month. And usually conventional has better interest rates. The more you put down, usually the better rate that you can secure. So anyway, just. Yep. Okay, let's get in to our main topic for the day. Little controversial, but there was a, a recent Reddit thread of a bunch of realtors and people in the industry that were bashing the NAR, the National Association of Realtors. So we're going to ask you guys, do you think it's corrupt? Do you think it's a monopoly? What are your thoughts? I was pointing at you, Andy. Did you see that? Yeah, I think I think they're about time we put them in the Smithsonian Institute uh, and remember the way it used to be. Because um, they're what obviously- was that? I've been, paying them for, I've been paying them for 32 years, Andy. Don't make me feel horrible here. I'm not making you feel horrible. I just think that they've lost their way. They they protect the weak, um, and they protect whoever pays them all the most fees so they can keep remodeling their offices and selling their websites off to people. I mean, for God's sakes, they're so stupid, they sold off Realtor.com. I mean, come on. Yeah. I don't know if you guys knew that. They don't even own their own website with our name on it anymore. So it's like, you know, this, this I didn't know that. Proven time and time again, it's all about money. It's not about... Um, in the in the original days, I thought the real estate association was fantastic. It it you know the code of ethics came about. 
it pulled everybody together. They cooperated and they essentially took an industry that was full of snake oil salesmen and women and turned it into a, a very noble industry that cooperated with other brokerages. Um, there, we, we self um, regulated ourselves so that we didn't have to have a lot of uh, government involvement with us. We just said, hey, we're going to require licensing. And the state says, great. And, you know, there's all these things where I'm struggling right now is that like the National Association of Realtors is letting in companies like Zillow and they're letting in these, um, you know, iBuyers and they're letting in all of these, you know, brokerages that don't offer cooperating commissions. And so what's happening is they're, they're making more information selling the data than they are off of supporting the original reason they exist is to support the industry. And so they're supporting, in my opinion, um, also, they like like the revenues from everybody that will pay the rent. I'd rather see the National Association of Realtors actually say we are the best of the best and they're ranking them just like in the electrical industry. You know, you're a master electrician. Are you a journeyman? Are you a whatever? And I think that the same thing should be with real estate. And it doesn't mean that somebody's not going to hire the newbie. I'm telling you, some people prefer a newbie because they have all the time in the world and they can't afford to make a mistake. On the other hand, if you have a more complex situation and you can look down the resumes and say, oh, wow, look at Chris Rooney. He sold, you know, a million houses. He's, you know, always getting, you know, good reviews. And he's he's a gold star, you know, certified realtor um, in the Real Estate Association. Granted, you might pay more for that, just like you pay more for a, a specialized attorney or something. But what I'm saying is, like, for an example, the, the idea there is that it would promote the good within our industry and the, the experience. Right now, they're just promoting data and they're, and they're promoting, uh, they, and they, a lot of their money goes to like lobbying, which is fine because, um, you know, they, they've for years been fighting for the homeowner and the, the real estate association and how we are licensed. And anyway, I guess I'm at, actually, to be honest with you, I'm there on my, I give them a five out of 10 right now. Um, and I, I would have no problem right now, and this is the truth, if we had a, uh, an opportunity to have a national version of an MLS that was owned by the real estate agents, I would join that. I would also join an MLS or a version of, the, uh, of something of that kind that would also support the agents having credentials on the front of their, like a badge of honor. Are you a general? Are you a, a major? Are you, a, you know, I, I think that's important for our industry right now because People don't see the difference between when you call an internet lead or you call a house to see it on the internet and the person that's never sold a house before in their life and they're on a salary opening up the door for you and Chris Rooney. They don't know the difference. And our industry is doing a horrible job of making that, um, or they're doing a great job of making it blurry. Anyways, I've got my box now. Yeah, but as long as you pay, you know, that, that's, that's right. what they want. So I, I've got two comments on this. Number one, I think I'm going to become a graphic designer if that costs 250000 to do. That's crazy. A different, a different estimate was uh, uh, 500000 too. So they're not positive, but it's two hundred fifty to 500000 for that new logo. I mean, I hope that's not that's not true. That's, but, that's bureaucracy right there at its finest. Yeah. I think, the other, I think the other point is, and I think this is with all associations, I think they start out to be a good thing. They're trying to help us and, and do everything for us and just kind of collect the money to be able to then use it to be able to support your association. And then I think what associations do, and I see this in youth associations, it becomes about making money instead. And now all of a sudden, you know, these associations have five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars in their little checkbook 
and they're still charging people as much or more for fees. And it's just kind of like crazy. So now if you say they sold realtor.com, they probably got a bunch of money. Where the heck is our money? We, we should be getting that or a, a discount from it at least, you know, to do it. So that's, uh, that's wrong. I don't, I never heard that, but again, I, I'm kind of one of those guys that I'll sit, just let me do my job and I'll, and I'll take care of it and blindly pay these people all the time because that's what they tell you which to do. And I think that's kind of what your um, the little post on Reddit was talking about is that at what time is someone going to be able to stand up to it? But I mean, there's, I think there's so many things right now that you can stand up to. <laughs> well, I don't think not, not so much stand up to it, stand for something. You should, you shouldn't be able to just pay the fee and be a realtor. You should have to have credentials. You should have to have a resume that can be viewed. You should have to, I mean, the, the, the problem that we're running into, again, is it's delusional representation of the truth to the consumer. But it's easy to get at, and it's free. So easy and free is what people like. But that's the thing, Andy, is that the more people they can get licensed, the more fees they can get. And so it, to, the, to, to something like that, to be able to say, hey, here's these agents, here's these agents, here's these agents, kind of like in a, as an electrician. You know, you got to be a journeyman before you can actually go out and, and uh, you know, do your own thing. And we don't, we don't have any of that. So as long as you're paying your dues, we're all just the same thing. And like you that's, said, that's what I'm saying. They, they yeah. like a sea of, they like the, the, what is it, 5 million or whatever agents there are across the country or some crazy number like that. Um, but, you know, and, and here's the thing. I get it. You know, like every game a hard time last year, they spent over $100 million renovating their offices in Chicago. And everybody went crazy over that, too. And they're like, what a waste of money. And everybody else works from home. And, you know, it's it's crazy to me that I think they've turned into something that they want to be, not what represents the real estate agents that are paying their way. And I just, I, I really think that thing needs to be remodeled. I, I really do. It, it like you said, Chris, once you get up and established, you know, there, there's, they give these flat fees um, to be a member of the real estate association to say that you're a realtor. Well, what does it mean? A ask 10 people today, what does it mean to be a realtor? And I guarantee you, they say, well, I think you sell houses. They have no clue what you do. They have no clue what realtor means, right? They have no clue about the, you know, the ethics that we follow and, and how we subscribe to doing business in a better, more professional way. And that we, you know, will not take advantage of them. You know, that we actually are trained to be in a fiduciary position, which is completely different than a hired position, where as a fiduciary, I have to do their best interests in front of my own. Always. And I take that super seriously. That's why I think I get as many referrals as I get is because people know I fight to the death for them. And that's exactly the way how serious I take my business. But then a consumer views me the same as Billy that just started at Zillow. And he's a brand new agent because we both have the and his picture is bigger than mine because he pays more than I do. And it's 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 a bunch of BS is what it is. And the consumers got to get smart quicker. They're going to start really dumbing themselves down. to. I, I think it's insane. I'm, I'm shocked that there hasn't been a class action lawsuit against somebody like Zillow saying that they control the marketplace. They control the values they're showing you. They're buying the houses from you based on the values they're showing you. I mean, it's a complete crap show. This is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say before uh uh before your little segment that 
was going to have Greg know that this is a perfect time to throw some more gas on the fire here and get you going. But you have an analogy well, I, here. I, I think it's clear that um, my opinion on things is to do things the right way. I work hard every day just like you do, and there's thousands of millions of agents out there that work very hard at their industry, and they're proud of what they do, and they love helping people. And all I'm saying is that those people should be recognized for – they're, they're what they've done. And, and, and this association does not do that because they feel that they'll be, you know, isolating the majority that pays for their fancy offices and their, their, all the other stuff that they like to have. And I think it's crap. And I think, you know, that it, it comes down to where, you know, if a real estate agent lists a house on the MLS and they don't want it to be syndicated anywhere, they should be allowed not to syndicate it. I shouldn't be told I can't syndicate. I shouldn't be told that I can't do a private marketing for two weeks because all the other realtors, the weak ones, don't get a shot at getting a sale. Think about this, Chris. All those rules that they made two years ago where they said, I couldn't do a private marketing. You know who that protects? That protects Zillow. That protects all these other websites that are out there that want to get these people clicking on it because they trust it because it's pretty colors. And, oh, they'll do my mortgage and they'll do everything. It's so easy. Click. And all of a sudden, you got Billy, the agent that doesn't know what the hell he's doing out there showing you a house, helping you make the biggest buying decision of your life, and he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Or she, I suppose Billy could be a she too. I don't know, a she, he, whatever, whatever you want to. Whatever you. Nick, this is usually when we go to a commercial. <laughs> All right, and uh, here, yeah, here's uh, here's Budweiser. How about your analogy? How do you get rid of cold feet? Buyers remorse, little Andrew. I don't think I should talk anymore. I think I should just drink my my uh, non-caffeinated coffee and relax a little bit. And then we'll let you answer all the questions currently, and then I'll come back. Oh, you're the you're, this is this is a great one for you because I know we we get into this a lot. I mean, people do get cold feet, and then they get afraid that, that oh my gosh, did I do the right thing? How do you, yeah, you know, how do you help them? Well, so so here's what I would say to you: um, when I meet with a buyer, and and I um, or somebody on my team meets with a buyer, and we ask them timing, and we ask them what's your motivators. Because what's interesting for us is a lot of times, you know, the baby on the way is easy to figure out. There's a, a timed, you know, timeline there that usually needs to be met. On the other hand, well, we're thinking about downsizing, you know, this year, next year, the year after that, the year after that, whatever, doesn't matter. We got lots of money. We don't care. Blah. That, that buyer is, is a little trickier to motivate, right? So what I'll say is, hey, um, I, I'm not good at, at shopping. I'm good at buying. So by you calling yourself a buyer, that means if I find you the right property, you're going to make a move on it, correct? And if they say, no, I don't know, I don't think so, then they're still a shopper. And I say, okay, cool. Let me give you all the shopping tools I can to help you have a great time shopping. And then what you're going to do is you're going to be mad over the next year because right now we're in some pretty aggressive inflation and the housing market's not ballooning by itself. There's no balloon. The whole damn market's going up. So it's not like this individual market is ballooning. Housing, everything, cars, food, everything's going up right now. So you're not seeing actually housing has really calmed itself down compared to what everything else is going up at, at the rates it's going up. And they're predicting next year that we're going to just barely keep up with inflation, which will be about 5%. So the houses will still be more expensive next year than they are this year. The disadvantage you have is that the money might not be on sale because as inflation goes up, usually rates have to go with it um, or, or nobody will borrow anybody any money because it, anyway. Yeah. And just reminding them, really reminding them of uh, the reason that they were purchasing in the first place. I think people yeah. get, you know, stuck into this this little hole when they start getting buyer's remorse rather than thinking about the whole 
you know, everything that surrounds it, everything that you just talked about, um, the reason that, you know, they wanted to have Christmas at this new place and they wanted to get a third bedroom so they could have another baby and blah, blah, blah. And well, you just remind them of that rather than, oh, I paid yeah. too much. Well, that's the, you know, the other side of it is the, a lot of the buyers, you read their, you know, kind of blogs and they're, what I think, you know, if I'm, if I'm reading Nick's, um, you know, suggestion here is the cold feet might also be from getting into multiple offers multiple times. And then you just get more fatigued than, than cold feet. You just say, ah, screw it. I can't get a house. I'm tired of writing offers, falling in love and then never getting to, you know, buy the place. I think that's a reality. So you do have a lot of buyers that have fatigue. Um, and then those that have a little more disposable income or that little windfall of cash, or they have, you know, the resource of the rich uncle or the rich parent that says, hey, let's make you um, positioned as a cash buyer. And then after you move in, let's, I'll, I'll basically refi me out of the house in six months and we'll go from there. Awesome. Let's uh, let's fix this listing. This expired listing in Edina. Is that the front of the house? Looks like the back of the house. Mm. So the front of the house. I, I'm always, you know, Chris. I don't know about you, but I'm always skeptical when they show the back of the house first. I mean, I think we as humans want to see the front of the house, the back of the house, aerial. Um, then you go inside the house, maybe the foyer, the kitchen, the, you know, and then you go upstairs and then you go downstairs. You take people on a journey with the photos in, sequ in sequential order. And I think what's interesting on that is that that's what you think right away. And then all the way through the pictures, you're, you're anticipating the front of it and you never get it. And so you're thinking about that the whole time rather than looking at the photos. So that is another, another reason. So I bet you if we went to photo 62, I think we would see the front. Just go back, Nick, instead on that picture rather than frontwards. Let's just see if that's the case. Nope. Okay. Ooh, that's a nice set of furniture. Oh, I get, I get, I, I, I get so mad when they show pictures of just like beds or just furniture. I'm so like, nobody cares house. about your furniture. Yeah, it's not the house. Correct. So, no. Let's start at the beginning. First of all, it looks like it's right on, if you look at that map, it looks like it's right on um, 62. So that, I mean, that can get loud, obviously, right there. Uh, but it's in Edina, which is a really good um, yeah. area. But, um, okay. yeah. Yeah, usually you can sell just about anything in Edina. Let's give the stats for, for the listeners, though, that aren't watching it visually. So... You got a four-bedroom, four-bath, two-car garage built in 1966 with 3,504 total finished square feet. It's a two-story. That is good. That is good for that area. I mean, yeah. 3,500 square feet is quite a bit. Looks like there's an add-on on the back. That whole um, appendage looks added on. So yeah. we'll, we'll see if that's the case. Yep. Okay. That's a lot of furniture in there. Yep. Again, not a lot of people have pianos, um, but it, it's just like that front room to me, if you don't, I mean, there's a little fireplace in the corner there. If you don't have um, a piano, I don't, I think you would be um, messed up with this area thinking that what, what really is it <laughs> or what right. do I use it for? Well, I'm sure they renovated there too at one point in time where they opened up those 
walkways, and it looks like they opened up like a window way behind the couch there. You know, that's that add on, Andy. It, oh, maybe it's looks, kitchen. Yeah, it's really maybe. clean, too. Looks hey, really good question. Clean. Um, for people trying to get rid of pianos, in your experience, is that hard to do? Do they get much money for them? They try to leave them with the house. No, usually the pianos are big time. Um, they want them bad <laughs> and they want to keep them usually. And I mean, because that's that's a very expensive piano right there. But I usually yeah maybe grand or yeah it depends on the brand. If it's the local music store's cheap piano that needs a lot of work, I think they're um, a detriment, and most people will want you to get rid of them at your expense. Um, piano moving companies a lot of times they'll charge you more to move them than what they're worth. So that's why usually when you you put it in, you usually are stuck leaving it there. Um, yeah, I, on this photo, I would really rather have a, and maybe it's coming, but I'd rather have a larger photo leading into this photo, yes, like this close up, and so you so you know where the heck you are, because right now we just went from a piano to this little room. That's an addition in the back there. You can tell by the windows being yeah. so close together. That's what I'm thinking too. But I mean, for the normal person, it's hard. There you so, go. So where are we? Is that the front door now? I think that's the basement, back door of the basement. Really? That's not like the front door by the kitchen. Yeah, I don't know where. <laughs> See, this is the problem, guys. I mean, using, right. See, when you take pictures and you walk people through, visually through the house on pictures, like you come in the front door, you go into the piano room, then you show the dining room, then you show the kitchen. People can lay this out in their brain a little more than this is like the where well there's a deck so it must be upper so now it's the upper level not the lower level and it totally looks like there was an add-on and they just didn't know what to do with this extra space and so they just kind of threw stuff in here um yeah. i think that's off to that deck but it looks like yep. a front door to me yeah so floor plan is probably the biggest challenge on this one and a second wood stove and andy there's ways to um solve that too like what you're saying because you're totally right we're 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 confused. I mean, we do this every day, and we're confused what it is. And maybe it's doing an actual floor plan and setting that out right away from the start. And it's there's a professional stager, yeah, yeah. There's different ways in which to be able to do that, to, so you can feel it out. And this one might be a really good thing from a marketing perspective to give people other options and how to use this and how you would use it. Okay. There you go. Now, now that puts it all together. I can see that the the light from the piano way up in the front corner there. I think they've got two fireplaces. Here's one. I think in the far yeah. right through the kitchen on the other side is where that piano is. Yeah. So we completely missed a whole dining room and kitchen in between when they took that other photo. See, there, there it is. is. Look at between saddle. Oh, between thank God we found it. Yeah. Yeah. So they should have led us into it because we could have taken that fireplace and then figured out that, okay, we're moving this way. Well, two fireplaces immediately tell me they've got a heating problem in the house. Yeah, the one's in that new addition for sure. Yeah. So did they not do the heating properly? I don't know. Yeah. I don't see any I don't see any vents on the floor. Yeah, I think I think this is just a case of just not understanding it. I would have I would guess that they probably didn't have uh, a ton of showings on this either. Uh, because it looks very clean. This is really clean, but you know, we haven't even, what picture are we on, Nick? What number? 
Yeah, yeah rip through them. Let's go. Yeah, we haven't we're on picture 12 and we haven't seen the kitchen yet. There we go. There's the kitchen. Well, I think part of the kitchen. There's the kitchen. There we go. You know, and that's kind of a big sale point. And that's a that looks a lot more open. I would have started with this. Yeah. Agreed. There you go. Kitchens, yeah. kitchen sell houses, you know. Kitchen's great, but we didn't get to really see the kitchen until photo 16. Yeah, I was already turned off on the first couple of photos before you get to the good ones. Yeah. You got to remember, people have the attention span of a squirrel. So, you know, when they're flipping online, you got to hit them hard and fast with the good stuff or they keep moving. Yeah. I rotate my photos on my listings. If, like, for example, it doesn't, if we don't have luck the first week selling it, I'll rotate. And it makes a big difference. All of a sudden, you get showings on it. It's kind of funny. It's positioning. You just, I mean, yeah, give a person a different feel because you're so right. Andy, I, I whip through these pictures so fast, you know, just to kind of get a feel for it. Then I'll come back because I'm trying to figure out how the house lays out. And then I come back. And if I can't figure it out, I'm done. Next, move on. It seems like yeah. a lot of these photos the are like, house. a lot of these photos are close-ups too. That's, that's different than a lot of other ones we've done. Yeah. Yeah, to each, I mean, how you position your house is totally different. So now this must be in the basement, I would assume, or the main floor. I don't know. I, I got to see the front. I got to see the front elevation. Looks like the trees are, are pretty low. Yeah. And a fireplace like that's usually in the basement. Okay, so that must be the front door. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I give this guy an F for whoever the agent was that laid this out. I, I, I'm not trying to pick on him, but holy or she, he, whatever. I'm just saying this is this is ridiculous. I'm confused. Yeah. Yeah. And then you jump upstairs and you're, let's go back to the basement, up to the upstairs, and then to the kitchen again, and then show the pantry and then the backyard and then the garage and then the closet and the master and that yeah that uh, plus you see a lot of gold there brass um that's hate to say it i think i think here's the thing i mean and we've seen this this is another case oh, of just how the house is positioned um and, and thrown out there and sometimes it's it's too much furniture sometimes it's the stuff they didn't do and sometimes it's just because we can't figure it out we can't figure it out but i don't we i mean we'll just keep saying the same thing but try to find me a front photo please of this house I just want to see where it is. I haven't seen a floor vent yet. I wonder what's up with that. Tell me what you look for. I mean, there's another fireplace. That's four of them. In the library, yeah. Good Lord. Keep going. Give me that front. Looks like it had mold in it. I mean, I don't know what the heck's... Yeah, this is very interesting. There you okay, go. There you go. That's a cute house. I know. Forty <laughs> seventh photo uh, to be able to do that. Um, it's a little garage. The yard. The yard I, I is... take those in the yard's beautiful. The big beautiful tree in the front yard. I would have yeah. gone a little more to the to the right so that you're not so garage dominant. And I would also suggest that they do something with that garage door if it's that much of the house. Um, it's bigger than the whole house, you know, but. And seal accents or paint it or if they would have seal coated that driveway too. That would have brought out those shutters better. Yeah. As well. Right. Yep. Yeah. Cause I think the house is cute. See this, I hate photos this direction where it just emphasizes the garage and the bad driveway. 
Um, the yard, they must have just seeded it quick because it they must have had a car park there or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you got to go back to that one. What are we looking? Oh, maybe this old lock is what they're looking at, this little paw, because that's uh Well, to me, it says you got you got maintenance there. You need screws are rusted and oh. all right. All right. I think we've uh, we've look at this backyard. I mean, that's a nice yard. They should have yeah. done a front photo and then that backyard photo, then the deck photo, and then bring them through the front door and lead them through that house because it's a very confusing house. So I think uh, you're on mute, Nick. You guys got to get, get moving. We're going to cut the, the broadcast a little quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, though, for giving us the real estate 45 minutes. Yeah, it's perfect. Exactly. It's an hour somewhere. Don't 45, but it's live. We stream uh, on uh, every podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, video versions are on full in our Facebook, and we have three clips a week we post on there for shorter content to digest. Have a great, wonderful day. See you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.